Good morning. Welcome to the end of the Blitz here on Fan Run Radio. Today is Tuesday, January 31st, the last day of the first month of 2023. Andy Brock with you here this morning. Got Sam Beard with us behind the board on the mic. Charlie Collier will be here shortly. Um, tending to some business this morning, so we'll guide you here through this first hour. We're here with you until noon, taking you up to your lunch break. It is a rainy Tuesday outside in the great city of Knoxville. Uh, seems to be a trend here for the next coming days as we enter again. What is Miley's favorite month, Sam? Yeah, no, it's uh, just another rainy day, <laughs> and we're going to have it pretty much for the rest of the week. This is kind yeah. of, I feel like this is kind of that stretch of the wintertime in Knoxville where you don't really get cold weather necessarily, but it's just kind of crummy weather like 24-7. Oh, yeah. And it's just kind of, just enough to piss you off a little bit, but not enough to make you like uncomfortable. You know, like it's 50 degrees outside, but it's just kind of gray and raining. So you just kind of get, you just get a little a little down in these in these in these days where it's so rainy and everything but mm. we well, are off to a way. great start this morning um i have botched up the twitter stream mm. so that's a good really good start um but yeah off and rolling um want to get into some tennessee basketball later they got florida on wednesday sec big 12 happened this weekend i feel like so much happened this weekend and yesterday, we just kind of jam-packed and threw a bunch of stuff yeah, in there. Didn't even get through it all. Got through a, a nice, healthy 30-minute conversation about the refs. <laughs> right. Charlie got very passionate about the refereeing. Um, I think me and you were kind of on the same side there. It's, one, it's yeah. just, just one of those things that feels inevitable a little bit. I did watch a couple videos last night, to be honest, though, about all the missed calls in the last two minutes of that Bengals game. There were there were quite a few calls missed. Um, there were. But it, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, the more I saw it, <clears throat> it did feel weird. But mm-hmm. the fact that, like, it's just the, the the people who are in the camp of like, hey, these NFL games are rigged. That's kind of where you're like, ah, yeah. I mean, we're just being a little bit conspiracy theorist, or however you say that. That's just I, a little bit out there. I understand like the the gripe about a ref changing a game, maybe in the regular season. But when you're in the AFC Championship game, you're you're a game away from the Super Bowl. I feel like you just whole can't, different ball game. I feel like you can't. You know, come out of that game and just be like, "Oh, well, the refs jobbed us." You know, we 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 would have won that game if they would have made this call, or whatever. It's you're playing for a spot in the Super Bowl. I feel like that's just kind of a, an easy easy out as an argument. Just be like, "Ah, oh, well, the refs screwed us." Stream is back up. Happy to announce, um, Geek Squad over there, Andy. Oh, we we went to work. We went to work fast. <laughs> yeah, double task this morning. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl matchup? I guess we 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 talked about the games, but. Hey, it's it's in two weeks. It's Eagles and Chiefs. It's the Andy Reid Bowl. Um, Jalen Hurts, the day after winning the NFC Championship, was also at the Syracuse or Syracuse Virginia basketball game last night. Was so he really? That's extremely random. Pat Why? Mahomes' uh, family was was active on social media again. So both quarterbacks, man, that's a fun matchup in my opinion. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm I'm really excited for this matchup. Syracuse and Virginia doesn't make any sense. No, Why was he at that game? Does no. he have like a there can't be any connections, right? I'm what, yeah, I'm wondering Where's if he's he got from? like a sister or something. I don't. I actually don't know where Jalen Hurts is from. Is he from Texas? Are both these quarterbacks from Texas? I think. Uh, I, I think we've got an all Texas Super Bowl quarterback battle. He is from Houston. There we go. Yeah. Wow. 
And the game is in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Man, yeah, imagine it if it had been in a Houston yeah, Super Bowl. I, I saw some people saying, like, oh, the game is rigged. Do you not – like, you can't tell that uh, it's at State Farm Stadium out there in Arizona. And guess who's <laughs> sponsored by State Farm? Patrick Mahomes. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> NFL's rigged. Yep, NFL is rigged. We're back on it. Yep, I think the, I think we're I think we're cracking the case right now. State Andy. State Farm told the refs we need Pat. They said, you know what? No, <laughs> is that what is uh, hurting Joe Burrow's legacy that he doesn't have a State Farm? He might need to. I think I think Burrow maybe. Uh, I feel like he kind of falls into the uh, the all state dude. Okay, you think he's more from mayhem? Think he's uh, more of a mayhem guy. I feel feel like he's taking on like that (laughs) villain role a little bit, like being the underdog quarterback. I feel like that guy kind of embodies that. And so, if this is working for Pat Mahomes, why did it never work for Aaron Rodgers? Why did State Farm never gift him a a Super Bowl appearance? Uh, That's a good question. That's (laughs) actually a good question. He got too much love with the the discount double check. Yeah, maybe he peaked with the discount double check. They were like, "We gave you that. We're we're not going to give you a Super Bowl like we are with Patrick Mahomes over here." Interesting. What do you what do you think about um, Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes? I, I heard some people saying that they might not like each other as much as Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mm. feel like now we're kind of having an AFC battle of like who's going to be the true next Peyton and Tom. Is it going to be Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow, or is it Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen? Uh, it's definitely Burrow and, and Mahomes. I think because I feel like at the beginning of this year we would have still said it's it's Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Clear. Oh, for sure, for sure. But you can just kind of I don't know. You can kind of tell. Whenever like post game, when you see Burrow and Mahomes like going to midfield and shaking hands, it's it does give you the same feel as the as the Brady Manning era, where it's yeah. just kind of you can tell there's a hundred percent of mutual respect, but there's definitely a little bit of just like uh, we're not friends. Yeah, you got me this time, but I'll see you next time. Man, I I love it. I think at the AFC is we we, we kind of I said it during that uh, divisional week. It's like, are we really just gonna see? The Chiefs, the Bengals, and the and the Bills, all three of them just be in this round for 10-plus years? I feel like Maybe. for so long, all the good quarterbacks were just stashed in the NFC. Yeah, we're having a, a, like, a true changing of the guard. Yeah, now it's just a renaissance change, and, and the Titans are getting left in the dust. Yeah, I mean, with, <laughs> with, the, uh, with now Matt Ryan kind of fading out, have we officially crossed the line into the next era? We, we are officially, oh, yeah. yeah, the oh, old era. 100%, 100%. Old era is done. Philip Rivers is gone. Big Ben is gone. Tom Tom's still hanging around, but he's starting to fade a little bit more. I guess that's the last one. Tom, Tom is, is the, la- the last Tom one, and, and maybe Aaron Rodgers. You can maybe toss Aaron Rodgers. He's a little yeah, later than some of those guys, but you can toss him in there. That is the uh the the final the final bosses of the old era. And those are two guys that are like you kind of know what you're getting out of yeah. them now. I, I, they maybe both can maybe give Rodgers you, can give you a championship push, but yeah. Brady needs to, needs to hang him up. Man. They both can be heroic in a, in a certain way still. They still have some magic left in them. Still got some sentimental magic maybe. But in terms of maybe their Super Bowl window, could be gone now. Yeah. I don't it's know. Uh, I don't know. Rodgers still maybe could prove me wrong. Tom always has, has got tricks up there. but It's crazy just how young these quarterbacks are now that are leading Young man's game. Young man's game. Hurts is 24. It's really weird, you know, seeing yeah people in the Super Bowl that are my age. Yeah, and they're accomplishing yeah. a lot. They're getting paid a lot. <laughs> it's like, man, what did I do wrong? Why couldn't I have been a Super Bowl quarterback? Where? Hey, it doesn't happen to everyone, Andy. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is rare. I, yeah, two two of the millions in this country and and in the in the billions in the world have made the Super Bowl. So I guess it is rare. But man, wouldn't it be nice? It would be nice to be a Super Bowl quarterback. It would. 
Did you uh did you watch this Texas Tech Iowa State game last night? You know what, Sam? I didn't catch any. Did you see the highlights? Any of, of the it? Monday Night Basketball? I no. I want to talk about some of the college basketball just because with with it now only being the Super Bowl left and we got two weeks until then, it's in my mind officially college basketball mode. Oh yeah. So I last night I, I made Texas Tech my best bet. Really? Okay. Yeah. I remember. Yes, you did. It, it was Whoa. a bold pick. I mean, they I, were. Yes. They had lost five straight going in, and they're playing a ranked team. And they were getting absolutely boat raced. They were down by... I saw that. They were down by like 22 points. At half? 10 minutes left in the game. Whoa. And they came back and, and won. And they came back and they won that game in overtime. I mean, just a wild finish. Were you dialed in for the entirety? I wasn't dialed in for the entirety, <laughs> no. Was that I, one of those one of those bets where you woke up and you're like, whoa. Yes. <laughs> Wait. It, it felt like the video of the guy who was... Uh, betting on that Chargers Jags game, and he like yeah. fell asleep when the jet when the Chargers were down twenty seven zero, and then he wakes up and they won the game, and he's like, "Oh my god!" That was definitely my feeling. I watched that game uh, up until half. They were down seventeen at half, and then the second half started out in a bad way, also. And I was like, "All right, I'm just turning this off." And then what a comeback! And then I saw a text from Charlie like, like late last <laughs> night, and he was like, "Oh my god, Texas Tech." And I throw the game on and, and they're winning in overtime. Oh, okay, so it went to overtime. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, we're 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 getting. I know this was still late January technically, but man, we get into February. This is where uh, it's like the witching hour of, it is. of college it's basketball. The witching hour of college <laughs> like basketball. The witching hour. It's you where wins become losses and mm-hmm. losses become wins. You can't you can't expect a win out of any team at this point now. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's we're getting into the dogfight portion yeah. of the season. I, Texas played a great game last night too. I did see some of that one. I love college basketball. Um, and with us getting to the final month, it's time to start really, really talking some bracketology. Who our mm. our final four picks are? I'd, I'd say we should get into we can get into a little bit of who are maybe some dark horses. Who are some some teams that have submitted themselves? Tennessee, of course. They're they're starting to really get in a lot of national mix of hey, this is a, a true title contender. I know it feels weird, but. We're getting true, hot at true the right title time. contender, really are. But but hey, still a lot of season left, and there's a good chance though. Either way, could see a first time champion from a couple of different teams. Houston's never won. Alabama, they've never won. Uh, Purdue, they've never won. It's an interesting year for sure. I really want to see um, Purdue drop a game. Yeah, that I, would be I, nice. So badly, I want to see. Tennessee be number one at some point in football, basketball, and baseball. This so year. close, aren't that they? Would be, so that would close, be so cool. I think either the, for it to happen in the coming, you know, weeks, Purdue's either going to have to have a really bad loss or they're going to have to drop two in a week. Yeah, yeah, because they're twenty and one and and, yeah. and looking pretty strong right now. I, I want to get into on the other side, uh, just right off the top of the hour, just kind of recapping some more of the uh, SEC Big Twelve challenge. We we dipped into that Tennessee Texas game yesterday, mm-hmm. but a lot else happened around the conference some weird uh, stuff some weird stuff for sure some really good days for some sec teams some really surprising mm-hmm. some really surprising results for for a few sec teams big 12 ended up winning that challenge but we'll break that down just getting rolling here on the blitz uh stay tuned this winter make sure your heating and air unit doesn't leave you out in the cold call east tennessee's heating and air professionals at blue water climate control A locally owned and operated, veteran owned and operated business, Blue Water Climate Control is the company that does the right repair the right way the first time. To schedule repairs or maintenance, call 865-299-2290 or just visit BlueWaterClimateControl.com. 
Com. You're driving down the road and everything is great. Then, all of a sudden... 911, what's your emergency? A car accident can change your life in an instant. One minute, everything is fine. The next, your car is wrecked. You're injured and can't work. And you're facing a ton of medical expenses. When that happens, don't just hope the insurance company will come through for you. You need the best lawyers and law firm on your side. With more than 100 years of combined experience helping people, the attorneys at Fox & Farmer have been helping Knoxville and East Tennesseans get the settlements they deserve. We have the experience you need if you've been injured in a car wreck. And we are happy to give you a free consultation to discuss your case and answer any questions you might have at no charge. And remember, we don't get paid unless you do. Give us a call today at 531-9400 or visit us at foxandfarmer.com. We're Fox and Farmer, and we win for East Tennessee. 8900 Executive Park Drive, Knoxville, online at foxandfarmer.com. If you or a loved one has been injured in an automobile accident, you deserve the best. With over 20 years experience in car and semi-truck accident cases, the Knoxville-based law offices of G. Turner Howard III have the expertise to handle your case and get you the money you deserve. Visit g3helpme.com to get your free legal consultation and let the G3 team put their experience to work for you. Attorney G. Turner Howard III and his staff understand exactly what you're going through. They'll handle your case and there are no fees unless the G3 team wins for you. Don't wait a minute longer. If you're in Knoxville, Sevierville, Chattanooga, the Tri-Cities, or surrounding areas, let the G3 team go to work for you. Call the law offices of G. Turner Howard III today, 865-558-8030, or visit their website at g3helpme.com to get the legal advice and representation you need and the money you deserve. That's the law offices of G. Turner Howard III at g3helpme.com. Are you tired of long waits and outrageous prices when getting your prescriptions filled? If so, maybe it's time you try National Rx. Located on Kingston Pike in Farragut, National Rx is a locally owned independent pharmacy that specializes in fast, exceptional service and won't price gouge no matter what. So if you're tired of the big box store runaround, give National Rx a try. Located at 11134 Kingston Pike in Farragut, online at nationalrx.com. Guys, I've got to talk to you about Gramco. Gramco is a leader in the hemp-derived Delta 8 industry. It's 100% legal, and they have some phenomenal products that you need to try. Need a boost to start your day? Their wake and bake coffee is spectacular, and their gummies, the best on the market. And right now, they're running an exclusive offer for fan-run listeners. Go to thegramco.com, use the promo code VOLS25 for 25% off your order. No medical card is needed. Shipping is quick and discreet. Must be 21 or older to try. Again, promo code is VOLS25 at thegramco.com. Back with you here on the Blitz, rolling along through hour one. Andy Brock and Sam Beard with you. Charlie Collier is on his way. It's a beautiful, lovely Tuesday here in Knoxville. This past weekend, SEC Big 12 Challenge, last one for the foreseeable future. That uh, whole deal will be axed. It will be the SEC ACC Challenge next year. So We really screwed up on that before we start on the recap. Like, our deal with the Big 12 is ending while the Big 12 is getting like really, really good, and the ACC is going yes. downhill. Yes, this is 
a really good year for the Big 12. Things could change, but yeah. the ACC is is having quite the down year. Duke and North Carolina aren't the powerhouses that they normally are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could be different in five years, but yeah, at the moment, those two conferences are in a much different place. Um, I guess before we get into the results, yeah, the one benefit of, of doing the ACC Challenge is, you know, all your SEC teams get to play. Correct. For yeah. at least the first year until Texas and Oklahoma join, and then right. one might have to get left out. Mm-hmm. Unless the ACC adds people, that could always happen. But, yeah, I mean, you you had a, an SEC Big 12 Challenge this Saturday without one of your best teams playing, Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. They weren't even in the mix. Feels weird. I think Coach Barnes even commented on it as well. He's like, you know, he did. it, it didn't, didn't really doesn't really feel like a fair challenge when our whole conference, like four teams are getting left out. I feel like that should be able to be changed, like a little bit yeah. more, I don't know. Like just because you had a bad season last year, I feel like is not... I feel like these challenges should maybe be like the opponents should be decided a little bit sooner instead of like yeah. a year in advance. I mean, there's I, definitely a, a lot more planning and stuff to go into like those games and everything. But in a perfect world, you could schedule the the matchups a week prior, right? How cool would like a neutral site SEC Big Twelve challenge? Oh, now you're like, talking. Where you just kind of get it's like a little mini March Madness almost. Now you're talking. And then you you go into a central location between yep. the SEC and the Big <laughs> Twelve almost, and then you just kind of now that would be so you cool. You kind of seed them together. Well, the thing is, you'd have to go somewhere where you could play at different lo- like everyone could play at the same time. Like you couldn't all yeah. just play on the same court. That'd be that'd be. I mean, you go to Indianapolis like you did for the uh, Bubble March Madness, and everyone stay mm-hmm. in that hotel and play it at all those other locations, and hope everyone else plays a road game that week. <laughs> Get on that, Greg Sankey. You know, yeah, let's on. let's make that happen because that. Yeah, then you could just be like, all right, well. Texas, you you get Tennessee. Y'all are two top teams. That right. that's good. Uh, Kansas, how about you play um, uh, Alabama? Because y'all are the next best teams, and you just go down the list. Right. From how you all playing up to that point, exactly. And still unfortunate though that teams would get left out. Um, but yeah, Texas A and M right now is is a, a, a top four SEC teams in terms of standing. So unfortunate that they weren't able to participate mm-hmm. in the challenge. And then some of the matchups did feel a little bit lopsided. It, a lot of teams, obviously, you know, over the course of the season, they aren't necessarily as good as where they were maybe projected in the season. We've we've seen that with a couple of teams this year, not just the SEC, but. Unfortunately, you know, for Kentucky, for Arkansas, they've had circumstances happen, and they're not really where they were projected to be at the beginning of the year. So those matchups, maybe not quite as enticing as they were originally concepted to be. Mm-hmm. But still, we had a lot of really good games against uh, the best conference of basketball, the Big 12, an SEC conference who also has a lot of talent. Um, Big 12 won this challenge 7-3. to Big win for the Big 12. Big win. But there were still some big wins, you know, within that for the SEC. Obviously, Tennessee getting the win at home against Texas. In total, though, three road teams, or excuse me, three home teams had upsets against top 15 road opponents. It was a a tough day to be a top 15 team in this challenge, except for Tennessee. Texas lost, but counting that one out, Mm -hmm. you you saw three top 15 teams in this challenge go on the road and lose. Yeah. Just to, to map those out for you, number two, Alabama, destroyed at Oklahoma, 93-69. Number 12, Iowa State, destroyed in Columbia. Missouri beats them 78-61. And the number 11, TCU, in overtime, loses at the hump. Humphrey Coliseum in Starkville, 81-74. to Of those three, Sam, which one is uh, most surprising to you? 
Well, I think definitely the one that jumps off the page most is that Alabama game. Um, that you know, that's just one that you just didn't expect. You didn't expect to see Oklahoma team that was you know just kind of fighting to stay over five hundred, mm. and you know they just go in there and they they dominated from start to finish of that game. They they had a they had a, a sizable lead for most of that game. They had. And, you know, you just saw some of their guys, they, they just couldn't miss. Grant Sherfield dropped 30 points on them. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Jalen Hill had 25 or 26 points. So you just see a lot of those guys that just couldn't, they couldn't, Alabama couldn't stop them to save their life. And then, you know, a lot of the star players for Alabama on the other side offensively, they couldn't get anything going. Uh, Brandon Miller had a tough night. He went four for 14 from the field, so. I think that was definitely one of the most surprising games from the weekend in that Big 12 SEC Challenge. Welcome back in, Charlie Collier. Um, to your point there, Sam, I think that was the obvious obvious right. choice there. Alabama getting absolutely destroyed against Oklahoma. And I think we, we all thought that this game would happen for Alabama at some point. I think a week ago we were all very confidently ready to say Alabama's the best team in college basketball. And they were at that point. And then a little bit of a, a close call with Mississippi State. Started to show a little weakness, and then, yeah, just an absolute just misfire on the road there. Um, Oklahoma, just right right from the start, um, had control of that game. Um, but really the first time we've seen this Alabama team kind of look that way against a team that, you know, wasn't in the tournament field. Oklahoma, they're probably a bubble team now, but at that point probably wasn't in the field at the time that – they were playing Alabama, and that's by far the worst loss Alabama's had. The other two losses outside of that was Connecticut and Gonzaga, so and those were both kind of neutral sites, so you just didn't really expect to see an Alabama team do that. But, again, this is what college basketball has been this year. A lot of teams have been taking bad losses like this. You don't really have that one elite team. Maybe Purdue is that elite team. But Alabama, I mean, it, it's good to, to see that they have a sign of a weakness because it didn't feel like they did. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, let me try that again. Good morning. Blah. Yeah, oops. Uh, sorry for the tardiness back-to-back days. Yesterday, gr- interviewing Griffin Merritt yesterday. Or, and then today, uh, taking the cat to the vet. All you important know. things. Yeah. Yeah, you know, cat was sick, so I couldn't just be like, oh, I'll come in at four. <laughs> I had to like go in in the morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, Is Rocco good? Rocco, he's, I don't really know, I think. I guess. He's been throwing up, right? Mm-hmm. And I took him in this morning, and they're like, well, you know, maybe he, like, swallowed some yarn, which would be bad. Yarn. Or he's got, like, a hairball that's kind of just, like, blocking stuff in his stomach, which is also, like, kind of not great. But, like, didn't really feel all that bad when he was feeling up in him, so he gave him some cat laxatives to see if he can just, like, wow, pass whatever might be inside of him. And if he's still throwing up the next couple of days, then i got to go get x-rays, and then, you know, it could be surgery, whatever else. So hopefully it's just mm. straight. Should have brought Rocco in here. Yeah? Yeah. He's a good man. Um, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned, obviously you guys were talking, you know, which Big 12 SEC upset surprised you the most maybe. And, and I don't know, I was maybe – Obviously not. No, I, there's. You're not going to be more surprised than you were. <laughs> Oklahoma just yeah. dogging Alabama at home. I was pretty blown away that Mississippi State beat TCU. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see that coming. Um, but back to that Oklahoma Alabama result. I 
kind of feel better about our game against Alabama, uh, the 15th, because I think that you're starting to see some weaknesses. Like, you saw it a little bit with Mississippi State, but then Oklahoma was able to do a better job of it. They got really physical with Alabama. They defended Alabama really physically, <clears throat> and they defended the guards really physically specifically, too. They, they, they defended the forwards. They really tried to make uh, life difficult on Brandon Miller. You know, they were aggressive with him. You know, they put a body on him. You know, they put an elbow into him, a forearm, just made him feel their presence. And Alabama got incredibly <clears throat> frustrated. Like, you could see Alabama, you know, they didn't get a call here or there maybe early, and the refs let it be a little bit physical. And you could see the frustration affect Alabama. And, um, you know, I think that kind of gives you some recipe, some blueprint to follow. When they come into TBA, odds are you get a home whistle a little bit, so you'll be allowed to defend a little bit more aggressively. If you can get really physical with Alabama, you know, I think you can get them kind of off their game, kind of out of sorts. And then, you know, the other thing that they that, that Oklahoma was successful with is they have some athletic bigs. They have some, some bigs that can shoot. And Alabama just wanted to keep playing drop coverage on both Texas's four and Texas's five, and I mean they were getting torched early because those guys were a knocking down some outside shots, but then b, you know they could put the ball on the ground, you know step in, take a mid range jumper, you know put the ball on the ground and, and get that defense moving and pass. Oklahoma has some skilled bigs, and when you look at Tennessee, Olivier, pretty good outside shooter. Jonas, they do. I mean, at least a threat to knock down an outside shot as well. I think that that could maybe be, you know, something else that the Tennessee can try to replicate as well. Yeah. Hey, when you lose like that, the book is out on you a little bit. You're going to be able to study yeah. up what that what, what happened. I mean, especially a loss like that in late January, a non-conference loss like that's a lot different. Like maybe teams can go back and look at the Colorado game for Tennessee, but. No, this is a different team now. When you, right. when you got one that close to game time, I mean, it's going to be two weeks removed from when Alabama comes into Knoxville. Yeah, you, still, you try to watch Colorado tape and you go, all right, uh, well, yeah, not let's happen. just make Tennessee shoot like 58 threes and miss all a of them. A different team now. And then also let's just make Zakai go back to turning it over seven times or whatever. That'll work. Yeah, I mean, there there isn't that same blueprint. What do you kind of think is like the blueprint to beat Tennessee? Mm. Um, call me I, a mid-chew there. I don't really like. I was. I heard three and out ask the same question this morning, or at least, you know, I, I heard them talking about like <clears throat> what is maybe Tennessee a little bit more susceptible to, and they were pointing out maybe it's uh, a really good big, you know, that Oscar Shibway kind of gave them some issues, and like Tennessee got out rebounded in that game. I don't, you know, Hunter Dickinson last year. But I mean, that's I don't really necess- don't don't really think that's like correlation to like a big beating Tennessee. I think it's just the national player of the year had a good game and Hunter Dickinson. Well, that was actually maybe a bad matchup, but there's no one else really like Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, um, I think it. Uh, one of the things could be making Tennessee play a little faster than they're used to, maybe a little bit more out of control. I feel like when they're not deliberate with their offense and they're being a little bit more reckless, the guard plays a little bit all over the place, giving up the ball, coughing it up, and then you, you're able to get that early advantage maybe. If you do that early, put that pressure early, 
you know, Tennessee, they haven't had to play from too far behind much this year. So maybe that's a, a potential recipe that teams are stewing up. You know, hey, let's make them turn over the ball a lot. Let's make Zakai not able to have that vision. We're going to put a little more extra pressure on Zakai because he's we, we now know he's more of a facilitator. He can do those things, not just a scorer. I don't know. Has anyone played zone on Tennessee this year? Yeah, yeah. we saw Tennessee actually had a really hard, hard time with uh, with USC zone. Yeah, but I want to ask that question. You know what? What is the blueprint to beat Tennessee? You know what? what when other teams or other radio shows and other locations are talking about Tennessee, what are they? What are they saying? Well, hey, maybe you can do this. I. Uh, I want to pose that question to y'all as well. I'll open up the Big Orange Philly phone lines, 865-546-8200. And on the other side, I do want to kind of dive into that a little bit more because off the top of my head, I really I don't know exactly what it is, but I think you are on to something, Andy. So Maybe. We'll stay with that. Who knows? Uh, next on the Blitz. Then that time I went and said All right. For the break, pose the question, what is kind of the blueprint to beat Tennessee? I think – Andy, again, I think you were onto something with with trying to speed Tennessee up. Uh, shout out to our friend Billy Stats, Billy Williford, <laughs> letting us know. He said, "Hey, all three of Tennessee's losses uh, came against uh, they. Well, those three losses they came from six of the fastest paced games that Tennessee's been in this mm, year. Mm. That's so, interesting. You know, speeding Tennessee up, uh, kind of." could be an issue uh, I guess for the Vols he also did point out the turnovers uh, Kansas Mississippi State games yeah. both Mississippi State games those are actually the three highest turnover percentages and he's blew for sure all, all three of those teams out so maybe that isn't exactly the recipe but like I, I was kind of thinking if you are trying to beat Tennessee right and you really pressure those guards. I mean, you. I think Tennessee has struggled last year specifically. They struggled against the press. We haven't really seen a lot of press this year, uh, but I still don't know if how good of a team this is breaking the press. I'm not saying you know full, full on press Tennessee, but if you just apply pressure uh, to Tennessee up the court, you know, just put somebody on the ball and and, and pick up full court against Tennessee. If you try to, I think get the ball out of Zakai's hands and keep it out of his hands as much as possible within possessions um, and, and really kind of expand your defense out, out of the perimeter, like up near half court too, and just kind of get in some of those passing lanes. Like I, I think, you know, if you that would maybe <clears throat> be a pretty decent way to attack Tennessee to, again, try to get them sped up. Because, you know, you talk about pace and – Three of your six losses, or you know, three of your losses being in six of your fastest paced games. However, you know, the turnovers, you, th- you know, you think about a fast pace, you think, oh, you're probably turning it over. If Tennessee's losing when they're playing at a faster pace, but they're not necessarily losing when they're turning the ball over, I think that maybe the pace is more so affecting yeah. shot selection. True. Like if you speed Tennessee up and you get them to take shots early in possessions, that's a worse offense typically. Um, I don't know. I think Tennessee does a really good job of, of reversing the ball, uh, uh, you know, letting it get to both sides of the court on each possession. I think they do a good job of letting it get both inside and outside and, and really getting deep into possessions, getting deeper into sets to find those shots. But if you, 
you know, speed them up. If you rush their possessions, I, I think Tennessee will sometimes settle for some some worse shots early in possessions. So maybe that's kind of a, a good way to attack them. Not to cast any gloom on the Alabama game, but Alabama is the second fastest up-tempo team in the nation. According to Kim Palm's right. measures. Like, I don't think playing te- opposing teams that play at a high pace is necessarily... That's uh, like the not the decisive factor, but right. I just know, like, yeah, I think they're, that's definitely something Tennessee is probably, you know, they've, they probably know this. You know, they right. probably know that teams are going to want to play at a fast tempo, and they might at times want to play the fast tempo. It's just like, yeah, I, I'm sure at the beginning of the year and in some of those games where you're, you know, not playing some of those easier non-conference games where you have teams that are force you into different things, it's like probably a weird adjustment. I'd say kind of some of the things you button up once you get into late February is how do you adjust all these different looks? How do you take the shots you want to take, flow offensively the way you want to flow offensively, no matter the tempo, you know, no matter what the opponent throws your way? Like, I feel like this team knows their defensive identity, that no matter kind of what offense the other team has, that, you know, that their, their defense isn't going to be, sh- like, shook in any way. Maybe a little bit, but, like, they're going to do their thing. I think offensively that's what they're still trying to find is, like, what's their identity no matter what this team defensively throws at us? Zone, tempo, are they doing full-court pressure? They got to, you know, still learn, like, these are the shots we want. This is where I need to be. This is what we do, and we're confident in that. And I think that that Texas game was a huge step in that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, I I think it's just – you know, like you mentioned that that Alabama plays at a, a really high pace. Like it's just it's not allowing teams to speed you up, and I think that's also easier to do at home. You know, to still yeah, play at your pace, do your and, own like, thing. I mean, we've seen Tennessee also play with some pace and be successful. You know, with the, when they've gotten in that small ball lineup and and push the issue a little bit. You know, we've seen them uh, find some baskets too. So I think that's also the pace is also kind of lineup dependent. Um, there are times that Tennessee does a good job off of misses and sometimes even makes too of of letting those bigs kind of hustle down the floor and run the floor and, and, and you know every once in a while Tennessee even can kind of beat a team down the floor but I think it's more so picking your spots for Tennessee when to push it versus when to get into your half court sets and kind of operate your offense and um, Billy did text me one other thing that I, I, I do agree with Shout-out Billy. Yeah, shout-out Billy. Throwing us all kinds of good stuff. When Tennessee hasn't rebounded the ball well, I think they've struggled, which, I mean, that makes sense, obviously. You know, rebounds, in some sense, equate to possessions. But Tennessee this year has been one of the better rebounding and specifically offensive rebounding teams in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically, you know, when Toby Awok is on the floor, that really (laughs) skyrockets. But – but all year long, you know, Tennessee's done a good job on the boards. Those extra possessions, pretty key. You know, and sometimes when you're, you're not shooting the ball as well, which has happened in Tennessee at times, a couple extra possessions can be the difference in a game when you're still holding teams to a low point total. And the worst Tennessee rebounded all year was probably, not probably, was definitely that Kentucky game. Yeah. For definitely sure. that Kentucky game, but then you got out rebounded by eight against Arizona on the road. Uh, you allowed, or I guess you allowed twenty eight <clears> defensive <throat> rebounds, and you only had nine offensive rebounds in that game. Um, 
and then Colorado, like I just don't really know. Again, it's hard to really draw a whole lot from that because it was so early in the year and it was uh, just a disaster of any and all proportions. But you did get out rebounded by nine in that game. Yeah, I'd say that's that's an, a, a good point. I think it, any team, in, not even just Tennessee, I think any any game you go into, if you're being out physic physicaled on the glass, like if you are getting pushed around in the rebounding department, that's never a good recipe. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, if you're a team coming into Knoxville like Alabama, where you've got you've got height, you've got physicality, like that's what Kentucky did, it's what Oscar Sheboy did. It's like you go in there, out rebound this team, you're gonna have a good chance. Conversely, you look at some of Tennessee's biggest wins on the year. Because, I mean, what would we identify as Tennessee's three biggest wins? Texas. Three biggest wins. Texas, Kansas. Kansas. Kansas, number one. Yeah. Texas, Texas number two. two. Maryland? 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 Is it Maryland? I don't know. USC? Probably Maryland. Mississippi State on the road. I would maybe. I would say maybe Maryland, but let's let's call it Maryland. All right, look at all three of these games, and I'll, I'll read you the rebounding numbers against Kansas: forty-five rebounds to twenty-seven. Nice. You missed in that game thirty-two shots. You rebounded fifteen of those misses, and Kansas rebounded seventeen of them. Mm. It's awesome. Against Texas. I mean, we talked about how how what you know how you dominated them on the on, on the glass on Saturday, thirty eight to twenty three. You missed. Um, sorry, my my math <laughs> failed me for a second. You missed twenty four shots. You rebounded eleven of those twenty four misses, and in Texas had fifteen mm. against Maryland. Uh, 48 rebounds to 40, so, you know, it's 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 slimmer in that regard. Um, but, yeah, 21 offensive rebounds. You know, granted, you missed a lot of shots that day. You missed, gosh, 53 shots. But you, you, you pulled back still just a little less than half, 21 of them. Uh, so I think that is, you know, another good point. Uh, I guess uh, if we're kind of – building the perfect way to attack Tennessee. It's crash the, the, the glass defensively and try to speed Tennessee up and get the ball out of Zakai's hands, I guess. If uh, if Florida is listening, Todd Golden, if you're listening this morning, forget everything we just said. I think Colin you didn't Castleton. hear that. Colin Castleton could be one of those guys that's a, an interesting matchup for us. He's a tough matchup for anybody. He gets like 15 I mean, yeah. and 8. 6'11", 250. Right. Experienced vet. He's kind of one of those rare, like, bigs like Hunter Dickinson that can shoot the three and shoot it, you know, or at least can shoot from outside and, and hit some shots, but, like, is still big, strong, and fast enough to give even Tennessee's bigs a problem. You know, usually if you have someone that's strong enough, like, Fast enough, big enough to, to, to cause Tennessee's big some problems around the rim. You only have to worry about them around the rim. But, like, Dickinson, Castleton, like, those are two guys that can actually get you from some other levels, too. You'd say Castleton's right there with potential SEC Player of the Year candidates? 
I know it's probably Brandon Miller right now. Right. But you'd say he's probably in your, your top three? I hadn't really thought all that, that much about it. I'm trying to think, like, would it be? I'd say for me he's definitely in there, if not number two. I mean, Oscar Shibway is always going to be in the mix, even right. though he, he hasn't had the year he's had last year, so he's going to be held at that standard, on probably unfairly. But <laughs> is Kobe Brown in the mix? Sakai might be in the mix. Sakai might be in the mix, depending on, on how this February yeah. goes. But if he continues on even like 75% of the tear that he's on right now, oh yeah, he'll definitely be up there too. Castleton might have been higher in non-conference play, but he's still sitting at 14.9 points a game. 7.6 rebounds a game. Good numbers. What about Tolu Smith? Mississippi State has a chance. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Tolu, Tolu definitely relevant as well. Um, Just Florida and Mississippi State, their team, their teams aren't as successful as, say, Brandon Miller with Alabama, Sakai with Tennessee. It just it feels like, yeah, there's no real way that it's not Brandon Miller somehow. Yeah, he's just a good player. He leads the pack. Let's see. This article... Um, the extra point, the SEC Player of the Year race. Let's see who else they list. They just only talked about Miller, and then at the very end said, Oscar Shibway is playing well, and so is Ricky Council the fourth. Okay. Great. <laughs> Good job, Alabama. It sounds Alabama. like it's Brandon Miller. That's that's Alabama journalism. Great job, guys. Well, But it really, it really might just be that simple, though. It really might just be Brandon Miller because he definitely deserves it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless unless he just collapses in uh, February, yeah, and, and it would be a bad collapse. Then, yeah, he's pretty good. Nineteen uh, points a game, eight rebounds a game. Who's Alabama have this week? Well, Alabama plays tonight against Vanderbilt. Alabama, okay, so yeah, Vanderbilt, and then on Saturday we got on well, Saturday on the they got LSU. LSU on the road. It was really kind of a shame that that Alabama's, you know, game, so to speak, came in the one non-conference game. Yeah, you would have loved all of January. And I know exactly. Like you, that's the silver lining. There is Alabama's still perfect in SEC play. If if you're them and you're going to have a bad loss, that's the one you want to have. They're putting a lot of pressure on Tennessee. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, but it's right now. If you're Tennessee, you feel like you can't lose another game. Yeah. It's not. I mean. Yeah. I mean, and, and for the time being, to win the SEC regular season, you're going to have to beat Alabama at TBA for sure, and then you're going to have to hope, you know, you know, you don't drop another. And if you do drop another, the, the next hardest game for Alabama is probably Arkansas at home, or maybe on the road at Auburn maybe. or A and M. Maybe A and M, honestly. Yeah, and that's the last game of the year. So do you really want to <laughs> save it up to the last game of the year? Probably not. It's Tennessee's. Second hardest game left also at A&M at this point, or we'd say at Kentucky? At Kentucky, probably. Or at Auburn. I still think at A&M, and it, it might be the toughest. I I feel like Rupp Arena is going is to like provide so, some, some challenges. I just feel like we're really comfortable in Rupp Arena. Like, I True. feel like A&M's a place that we're not necessarily as comfortable. Tennessee's not. Fair. Um also at Auburn is last game of the year is is, is never I mean, that never comfy been a, either. A house of horrors. Yeah, I, Tennessee's schedule has gotten a little bit tougher since A and M has become a, a you know a better team and and over under three and a half losses the SEC champion finishes with in the SEC over under three and a half. 
I think the the SEC champion is going to have less than three losses. So you think the they SEC the champion table? will have? I guess I it'll put either it, three. I should have put it at two and a half. So over under two and a half. Oh, okay. The SEC champion conference losses, Sam. Oh, conference losses. Okay. Yeah. Um, under. Think under. Two and a half conference yeah. losses. Yeah. So you think whoever wins this conference? Wins it with I mean, just Alabama two hasn't lost a conference game yet, right. and we've only lost one. Yeah. I, what do we got? We got like 10 games left. 10 games left in the SEC season. Alabama would have to lose three of those 10. Tennessee would have to lose two. I, I'm going to go the SEC championship champion sits with two losses. Because I think Alabama and Tennessee are guaranteed to get a loss. One more loss. One of them will have to lose at some point. So Tennessee could end up with two and hope for Alabama then to have three errant losses, two errant losses. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with two. I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree with two. You're not going to win the SEC if you don't beat Alabama on February 15th. Mm -hmm. Play straight up. I mean, that game probably decides the SEC. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you, uh, you can't think at this point that that like you cannot assume for that matchup that Alabama is going to drop any any games. You have to assume Alabama should do the same. That Tennessee is going to win out. Alabama is going to win out. So you have to win that meeting to win the SEC championship. It really feels like the SEC regular season title game without taking anything else into account. Because I know there's a lot more season outside of that right. game. If you win that game, it's that's how you should be thinking about it. Even if you win that game, maybe still a little tougher on you than it is Alabama. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you both have have tough games, as we mentioned. And, and you never know. February, as we said, it's the witching hour. It's the witching hour of college basketball. You wouldn't have thought Alabama would have lost to Oklahoma on the road. No, and A&M, you kind of got to keep an eye on them, too. Surging. I mean, they are. You know, I, I still don't. I still think they're they're a flawed team. Uh, you know, they, they had to come back against Vanderbilt on Saturday, and they did just lose a week ago to Kentucky on the road, which is, you know, there's no shame in that. But I guess at least they, they do get A&M. I mean, excuse me, they do get Tennessee and Alabama at home. So yeah, I guess that's, don't have to travel to either. At least makes them relevant. If they can get to... They got a big one with Arkansas, though, on the road can, tonight. If they can get to, through the 15th without losing a game then I I would be ready to consider them relevant. I just don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, you got so Arkansas like twice, Auburn is. once in there. I'd say they lose one, if not two of those. I really don't like put a lot of stock into Arkansas anymore. Like I just look at Arkansas like I get oh, it. Yeah, like they're like a Florida to me. I get it, but they played Baylor really well. Yeah, they on played Saturday. Baylor solid. They, they did. played Baylor really well. And like Musselman's a great coach. I still so have I faith in him. Yeah, I don't know. I still. Like, to me, Arkansas is Florida. Florida has Colin Castleton, uh, which gives them a little bit of an edge roster-wise. But, like, Arkansas, I guess, has a significantly better coach with Eric Musselman. And they don't really – I don't know. I guess they still maybe ah. – I just look at them like I'm not really scared about uh, Florida. Yeah, I understand that Florida's still talented enough where if they have a night where everything's kind of clicking, they can beat you. Uh, but – I. Like I, I put them a, a tier down from A and M in Kentucky at this point. Like I would go Tennessee, Alabama, Gap, A and M, Kentucky, and then in that next group, that's where Arkansas, Auburn, and Florida are. 
I think that's how I'd see it. Yeah, I like that. Would um, you put Arkansas in that third group? Okay, with, with Auburn, Auburn and, and Florida? Florida. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I still think we're giving Texas A&M too much credit. I, I get that they're seven and one. They beat Auburn. He's beat Florida. Beat Missouri. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Missouri's in that tier with with Missouri with Kentucky and A and M. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, maybe on maybe do drop A and M down. I I think A and M will get above them, but I'm still not at the point where they are yet. They're at least I'd like winning. to. Yeah, they are winning, and that's why it's like they're there. <laughs> like they're at least winning. But I I think if they beat Arkansas and Auburn in the next two weeks, then yes, for sure, go ahead and do it. They've already beaten Auburn once. If they can beat them again, and they beat Arkansas on the road tonight, then yes, sure. Hour one, it's done. Hour two is on deck. More next on Fan Run Radio.